Hello, listeners, and welcome back to a fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings. We are joined today by two incredible people uh, who are here to talk to us about a wonderful uh, festival that's happening, coming up here in New York. Uh, Joining us today, we have Robbie Henson, who is the program director of Voices Inside and also the artistic director at Pioneer Playhouse, um, as well as Robbie Pollock, who is the program manager for Prison and Justice Writing with PEN America. And they're here to talk to us about Sentence to a Life Without Music. And that is a collaboration between Voices Inside, Pen America, and Nylon Fusion Theater Company. Um, and I know that's a, a lot of wordful there for you, listener, but this really is a, an important and exciting event happening. So, Robbie, and Robbie, welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today on Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. So, I, I was looking at the overview that was sent to me. Oh, many, many moons ago. So this is exciting to, to have you guys here. Um, and I, I feel so honored lately because I've had so many important and timely works being discussed here. Um, and I think right now the stuff that you guys are doing with this festival, these one acts are really, really important. Um, so um, would one of you like to tell us a bit about uh, what these shows are about, what, what's being done? Um, yeah, the shows that are being done at the Wild um, are um, part of a national incarcerated playwright festival um, that, um, you know, you mentioned the people involved, Voices Inside, which is a, a prison arts behind bars program centered in Kentucky, uh, Nylon Fusion uh, Theater, which is a New York theater company, and Pen America, which is an in very important resource for creative artists and writers behind bars um, because they give an opportunity, as Robbie may say, uh, to have their voices heard. Amazing. And um, Robbie Pollock, what exactly could we expect from these shows, these different one acts? Well, the, the, for, first of all, it's a, it represents a perspective of playwriting that we're, we're just not seeing from the world. I, I, I know a lot of people who are always looking for those voices that are uh, marginalized or silenced for some reason or another. And what we see is that it pushes the boundaries of, of our expectations of what the theater is capable of or what stories belong on the stage. And so I think we can expect some of that. Um, I, there's also a difference, I think, when writers are writing from firsthand experience. And so the conflicts aren't contrived. The uh, environments and stakes are real um, and they're representing real life issues that a lot of people care about. So I think that's what we could expect from these plays. I know that's vague, but uh, it, it basically they're heartfelt and written written from real people. No, no, I think that's great. I mean, just enough to to lure us in, but not enough to give it away, which I love. Um, now, how how did um, how did y'all come up with the idea for this for this project? Um, well, Voices Inside has been around for over twelve years. Um, you know, teaching uh, uh, writing classes and performance classes behind bars, and we started doing a New York reading series of incarcerated works that was um, spearheaded by the late Lanny Zipoy, who we did lose recently, and we're, we're, we're sorry about that, that uh, uh, 
terrible loss. Uh, but we we decided to even up the game in uh, instead of a just a one night reading series of incarcerated works to do full productions of incarcerated works. Um, we wanted to reach out not just to incarcerated writers in our program, but you know to have a more of a national uh, reach and national scope. So that is why we reached out to Robbie and the Penn America organization, because we do know from working behind bars that the Penn America um, organization and their contest for incarcerated writers um, is really a lifeline for so many writers behind the razor wire who want to get their works heard and out there. They do send them in to Penn America, which has uh, a national contest. And so we, we're able to, to um, um, include Pen America submissions into other submissions we got uh, when we called out for works to be included in a national uh, play festival contest that would then be produced in New York City. Um, Robbie Pollock, what was it like developing all of this? That's a really interesting question. Uh, the the Pen America program has been around for, since the 70s in the wake of like the big Attica riots that happened. It actually changed the nature of prison programming for uh, for a lot of people. Um, and the contest has been running for a long time. So we're always looking at ways to partner with people to get the work that we hold in our hands out into the world. Like what good does it do if I'm sitting at home crying, reading this, this moving play, if no one ever sees it. Um, and so partners like Robbie and uh, Voices Inside are critical to getting our words, uh, these words out into the public and getting more awareness on prison issues, et cetera. Um, so it, it, basically our job is to do that in the most most ethical way possible and so that involves meeting with Robbie and understanding how the words of people are going to be treated when they can't necessarily advocate for themselves um and so it's a it's a I don't know it's a joyous process it's a painstaking process um communicating and making sure that that's done well um but when you're working with partners like Voices Inside it's it's a it's really easy yeah, I think those of us who work, um, you know, with with, with uh, incarcerated writers, we, we totally are, are aware that this is an opportunity for their voices to be heard in ways that that you know, if they were closed off behind bars, uh, that's not really conducive to having their stories heard. You know, and they they're in a situation where you know maybe um, prosecutors have told their stories and maybe judges have told their stories. So um, this. A festival of plays is an opportunity for their voices to be heard in the way that they choose to have their voices heard. So, so I think it's a, it's an affirming thing. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's a, it's a human thing to have your your story told, and um, I, I think this is a wonderful program. I really do. Now, one thing I, I'm curious about. Um... Robbie Henson, you mentioned, you know, your, your end of this is based in Kentucky, mainly. Uh, Robbie Pollock, I'm not sure where you're based, but do you take submissions from prisons all over the country or are they based just, you know, where you're based? 
we receive we receive submissions from all over sorry robbie to cut yeah you go off. ahead uh, yeah the Ro- robbie's at war no the, um <laughs> sunday 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 um <laughs> Uh, we, we get submissions from all over, uh, from men and women's prisons uh, across the country, um, as far away as uh, Oregon to Florida. So we have a good sense of the landscape. Um, often who we think is in prison based on the media is very different from what our demographics look like. Um, uh, and so we hear from people from all slices of life, from blue collar to white collar, from federal to local jails um, around the country. And it, it's really been interesting to me to look at the themes that arise over time across the nation. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said about what what brings people uh, to that point and what where our gaps are in our societal safety nets. Um, and, and it's pretty clear from the work, the the value of understanding our nation by looking at the forgotten or the hidden. Absolutely. And I, and I will say, uh, having run a prison program centered in Kentucky um, for over 12 years, uh, the Pen America Play Contest. Uh, did we lose Robbie? Hopefully he'll come back. Uh, the Pen America Play Contest is something uh, um, the incarcerated writers in my program look forward to submitting to every year. Uh, there is a cash award if you if you win uh, a Pen American Award, um, you know, and they also uh, besides just playwriting, they also have a, a category of poetry, uh, essay, um, uh, fiction, um, and those that are closed off behind bars have you know, there, there's, there is a lot of introspection time if you're closed off behind bars, you know, there might, you know, you, you might have to clean up the commissary, you may have certain tasks, but there is a lot of time where you're living with yourself and in, in kind of your own mind. And PEN America, you know, is just a lifeline um, to, to submit. Um, uh, and actually, Robbie, you might talk about PEN America also has, um, gives out, a, 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 I believe it's a free book, to anybody, to any incarcerated um, person interested in this book, uh, the sentences that create, that talks about how to create a creative life for yourself behind bars. I don't know if you want to mention anything about that, Robbie, but that's a great book that you do give out, I believe, to to any incarcerated, um, uh, you know, individual who might seek that. Yeah, quite quite frankly, we haven't. There's no easy way to advertise your services or resources in prison, uh, mostly because um, people don't have access to. (laughs) There's no, they can't Google you and find out resources for writers. Um, So one of the things that the the value that PEN America brings is the fact that we've been around since the 70s. We're in resource books. We're in like little check out you know you want to learn stuff guides and we've always had some form of like handbook this updated handbook is critical so it it contains craft guides written by writers who have done it or taught taught it on the inside it's called the sentences that create us we're super proud of this book. Uh, it's it's on Haymarket Press um and we're sending 75,000 copies into prisons across the country um, for free, um, thanks to the Mellon Foundation's generous funding. Um, but the cool part about that is that writers have already who have already received it are like, wait, 
what? Uh, there's a section on playwriting written by someone who was in solitary in Iraq, came back to the United States and just did a tour around the nation uh, with their play, The Box. Um, and so they're talking about how to use craft, but it's people just like them in the circumstances that that understand them. Uh, so anyway, I could talk a lot about this book, but I think it's I think it's cool when you see the quality and the work and the recognition of other people who are in your same condition. For some people, it's a lot of hope. So they're sitting in your cell writing. You don't know if it's even a possibility that you'll get noticed. Just like you know, your your writer in their average shared New York apartment, you know, you're there with five roommates and you're slugging away. You don't know if you're ever going to make it. But when you go to the, that event and you meet other people, it kind of helps. This book is that go to that event, meet that other meet the other people uh, for many, many people across the country. So thank you for mentioning it, Robbie. Oh, absolutely. Walking in the distance, looking for a stranger, looking for attention, fighting passion, burning in the soul of the heart. That's amazing. Um, one other question I want to ask um, in all this is, do these playwrights get to see their work performed if they win? That is difficult and that is hard because, as Robbie mentioned, uh, the vast majority, and I think almost all of, of, of our incarcerated writers in this festival are restricted in terms of not having computer access, you know, so, um, and then, you know, we probably will do some kind of video recording of it, and, um, but photographs and comments we will pass on. Um, but could you imagine being a playwright and you're really not able to to, to witness or see? Exactly. That, that's what I'm thinking. Like these, they Do witness. The applause, like they you know, that, that, that's really sad. Yeah. And they can't see a recording of, of their work put on. Yeah. I mean, that's that's got to be, you know, almost bittersweet. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, it's like giving birth to a child, but never getting to see it grow up. Yeah. But mm -hmm. they, they are actually are appreciative and thankful you know, in, 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 in um, hard mail communications that we, you know, do to, you know, express how positively their work was received. And, you know, we do all we can in that area, you know. Yeah, I also think about um, family. So family, we, one of the things we always forget about is like for every person who's incarcerated, there's like a whole billowing community of connections that are still outside who they're they, they might have children they might have a parent an aging parent a cousin and they were a, once a part of that community and now they are essentially separated from it so what i found uh over years of working in prison arts is that for every art piece that makes it outside the walls it becomes a blessing and a gift to that community, a, a source of healing. I've had people whose moms will play the recording from YouTube on the phone to the guy and the guy's in the phone booth crying because he's hearing and it's this family connection and community connection that becomes the resources that a person needs when they come home. I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but um, people have, they send the, they'll send the link to uh, f distant family members and then that'll reconnect them. And that becomes literally maybe the difference between success on reentry 
and and not success. It's just being able to connect through the art. The people will understand you through your art and they will they'll know who you you may not be the same person that went in, you know, 10, 15, 25 years ago. And the art tells them that. Um even with other people performing it. So I think that's the beauty of of some of sharing this in a public way uh, is that they can feel pride in place of shame. They can feel uh, seen in, in the face of being ignored or forgotten. And it's Robbie uh, and Voices Inside. This is, it's not just good for the the poor people inside prison. It's literally good for our society to do this. Like when we do this, it has massive ripple effects in Kentucky, in Tennessee, in Idaho, in Iowa, all the way out in Utah. We see the same ripple happen. It literally weaves broken communities back together. And it sounds grandiose to say it, but it literally is the fact that when we make theater, when we make creative arts, what we're doing is taking our values and we're sharing them and we're we're developing deep levels of understanding and um through vulnerability and um that's the work we celebrate so that through that through that massive contribution by the incarcerated writer we're actually healing some so much of what is broken and hard to get at um in everyday conversation <laughs> and i would add um you know i think I'm pretty sure that all of the the writers, you know, are in a sentence that they will be getting out. And, um, you know, some people that are even hardcore would say, well, why are you uh, celebrating and appreciating and affirming, you know, work from the incarcerated? And, um, you know, the vast majority of, of, of these creative artists will return to society. And, you know, maybe if they've had a, a, a more empathetic experience through creating art, maybe if they have raised their self-esteem through creating art, maybe if they've had more of a connection to humanity at large by creating art, maybe if they have learned something about themselves and been able to step outside themselves through seeing what they're writing about. And I think Robbie had mentioned so many of these honest plays are about their own experiences or what they see or what they witness. I think you grow as a human being and um, hopefully when they step outside the razor wire, eventually, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, some sort of knowledge has, has, has been gained that, that can help them step forward you know, in, 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 in the journey that they're going to continue once they get outside the razor wire. And I totally believe that 100%. Um, you know, the power of creativity behind bars, I believe, is a beautiful thing. That's just incredible. I, I love the place, of the, the place of passion you both are speaking from. So this is amazing. Um, I want to turn back to the upcoming performances uh, that you have. And I wanna ask with these selections you've made, what is the message that you're hoping audiences will walk away with? Um, I'll let Robbie also uh, comment on this. Uh, these plays were selected uh, by Yvette Domingue and her uh, group at the Nylon Fusion Theater in New York City. Um, you know, I've worked with some writers and, and, and Robbie knows some of the writers that have submitted through Penn. So we didn't want to, you know, muddy the water of saying we want to pick this favorite and not that or cherry pick this and not pick that. So we left it up to kind of a person who did not have an experience with these writers. And I think they 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 picked the works for the quality of the writing. 
Um, you know, I think all of the plays have a kind of profound message, um, but uh, Yvette Duming and Nylon Fusion Theater picked them for, for quality uh, of, of the writing. Yeah, I'm thinking about themes. Um, so uh, a lot of the authors uh, focus on uh, relationships. Um, there's a, an, an incredible um, writer, uh, Elizabeth Hawes, who has had multiple plays produced on the outside. And I'm so excited to see what Voices Inside does because um, it, Elizabeth, for example, describes her work as being a reporter on the front lines of the carceral war uh, scene that is happening to, to women and families. And so like, you know, there, there are many things we don't, Orange is the New Black, for example, gave us a, you know, Piper's, Piper Kerman's view of what was happening inside. Elizabeth does the same kind of reportage through character and story about failures of the foster system, uh, abuses by uh, systemic forces, judges, prisons, uh, police who don't take care of people. Um, and having that interwoven intergenerational trauma is another theme that shows up in, in Elizabeth Hall's work. Uh, and I, and the same thing is interesting. Uh, William Smitherman actually, which is really interesting is one of the authors and he's home now. And William Smitherman has this is a fantastic and broad ranging imagination. And so like, actually, I don't know what you'll get with any given William Smitherman piece. He writes everything from fantasy. I think he has a new book out, a uh, fantasy novel that he came home and released. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think I think it's really a grab bag of, of awesome things. But I, there, underneath it all, uh, there are nods to accountability for the system the systemic forces that are at play and also personal accountability so you'll see a kind of mirror looking at self um and that again is just beautiful art um i want to wrap up this portion of the interview by asking you both one final question which is who do you hope have access to the show and robbie pollock since i've got you right now why don't i start with you with that um, you know, well, the show is being presented at the Wild uh, Project, which is, I believe, on East 3rd in the East Village. Uh, actually, that will take me back to my old neighborhood. I spent the 80s in the East Village <laughs> in New York, um, which was quite a, quite a, quite a good quite time, a, eh? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, I think that was when Madonna was still performing at Danceteria and was living down the block. You know, it was, it was way back in the day. Um, but uh, so it'll be good to go back to the East Village with the Wild Project, which presents very, you know, very challenging and interesting work. Um, to answer your question, who I hope comes out, I, I, I hope anyone who wants to see uh, honest work, original work, um, work that, you know, uh, tries to punch through the darkness of, uh, of the experience and the, you know, the, the, the how oppressive the prison system in America can be. So I, I sort of hope anyone and everyone would, would come out and um, they can get tickets at thewildproject.org if they just go look up the wild project in dot, dot .org. And this Robbie, is, Pollock, anything to add? Yeah, I was just thinking, um, I uh, 
we pen pen works with a, a bunch of downtown theaters downtown theaters and yes. it's Ooh. it's a perennial question of who are we getting in the theater seats is it this rarefied art form that's only for uptown wealthy parishioners to come get a taste of social and um i don't know social justice uh dabbling so they can get a little bit more information uh and or is the theater for everyone uh including the people who live in the neighborhood where the theater might even be in the downtown theater context the in the rapidly gentrifying um lower income neighborhoods and i think that question is a deeper one um but what i will say is that uh works that are uh related to carceral themes i've seen be able to slice through some of that in terms of audience um so there have been quite a few successful downtown theater plays involving um prison because people of all stripes go to prison people are all curious about the thin line between freedom and unfreedom and how anyone almost anyone in our society could fall on the wrong side of the law on a bad day um and wondering what that looks and feels like i think is a common experience for all uh people at at every strata of society so yeah i i think for people who may have and, and it's amazing when you um when you talk to people, people who you would not guess have relatives or friends or cousins or a father who was incarcerated, you just incarceration in our country touches literally everyone, not just low income people. Um, and so I think this play is like Ravi said for everybody. Um, but I also like when um, communities who would be not necessarily feel welcome in the theater will might see themselves represented in some of these um, plays. And it's very brave to be able to put this on and do it in a, in a conscious way um, that recognizes those intersections. Well, I want to shift gears now a little bit, and I want to kind of turn the focus a little bit on the two of you yourselves mm -hmm. and kind of your experience in the theater. I want to open things up by asking what shows in the past have inspired you or uh, shows that you love. And since you both are involved with writers, I'll even open it up to playwriters, uh, playwriters, playwrights and composers. Um, and whoever would like to go first, jump on in. <laughs> um. Well, I, I actually, I, I was thinking about this. Um, I think some of the most inspired theater I've witnessed or seen uh, has to do within our program before COVID, we used to uh, take, um, you know, professional actors into systems and present to an incarcerated off audience uh, some words of incarcerated writers. And we, you know, that was really profound because, you know, many of those within the prison system that would see our plays that would come into the system, many, many, many would say, you know, I have never seen a play before, you know, or, you know, this really spoke to me in, in a profound way. 
Um, and oftentimes they would say, hey, you know, what can we do? And I would say, well, you can reach out to Penn and get their book. <laughs> so uh, that was an opportunity. But to, to answer your question, what theater has really inspired me, I think, you know, you know, before COVID, we were going into the prison system and, you know, I was watching profound acts of theater take place there. Hopefully we'll be able to go back soon when this, you know, COVID, you know, gets completely lifted. There's open soon, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Pollock, how about you? I'm, I'm so grateful, Robbie, for you mentioning prison theater. Like, unbeknownst to the vast majority of normal people on the outside across the country, there are armies of volunteers who go into maximum security prisons, minimum security prisons, and put on productions and plays. There's long waiting lists for people to get involved because actors are brave as hell. That's the real truth. And playwrights are brave as hell. Um, I know people whose lives have been changed by those interactions. And so big shout out to everyone who goes to see a prison play in a prison, maybe, um, or goes to volunteer to teach drama, improv. And, and I know many, many people who have, who've done that. I'm thinking of recently, I was at the Wooster group, uh, with a friend of mine who runs a, an improv program on Rikers Island with teens called drama club. And, uh, Josie's her name. Josie does all improv performances with her students who are now out. And um, it was so engaging. <laughs> this, this performance was so raw and real. You've got teens who have had the hardest lives accessing joy on a public stage in a downtown theater and being celebrating each other and holding each other up. And I was just like, this is the kind of theater people from the audience were invited to perform and be vulnerable in that improv space that they container that they created. And I was like, I want so much more of this in the world. I want, I want this feeling. Um, uh, and so I don't know what bucket that goes in. Um, and as far as composers go, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, my friend Nathan Schramm, who runs another program called Musicambia that teaches in prisons, music in prisons across the country. And I, I, I think he won a Grammy recently. Like, I mean, he's wow. like this violist who also writes amazing music. And um, it sounds amazing. Like hundreds of people now to play instruments across the country. There is program. Uh, and, and that just that's the kind of thing that I think is just uh deserves uplifting and celebration. Yeah. Um, have either of you seen any great theater lately that you might want to recommend to our listeners? Um, being in Kentucky, I don't uh, know um if I would be able to um add much. I, I would assume your audience is mainly in the metro area. You be, we're actually global. Okay. I, I feel like I have to disclose that I am on the uh, advisory board for Rattlestick Theater in, in, in Manhattan. Uh, I joined their advisory board um, because they were producing a play called Lockdown written by Corey Thomas. Um, it was a, a play about a, a person who was sentenced to life in California um, who got released after the play premiered and it's just an interesting advocacy thing um 
but their season jam premiere is tonight and so like i'm literally i'm going with my wife tonight to rattlestick and um i think jesse eisenberg is hosting and you will get a like a preview of some of the up-and-coming works for the fall season so like i can't help but shout them out but with the caveat that i am an advisory board member <laughs> and i'm getting free tickets so <laughs> That's okay. That's that's a, that's an all right plug. Well, let me ask this, and th- for this question, I'm going to start with you, Robbie Henson. Um, what's your favorite part about working in the theater? Um, well, I have to say, uh, uh, here at Pioneer Playhouse, I I uh, do a lot from putting the lights up. I, I just got a new light board in the other room. Uh, you know, we we dust off the seats, we put out the seats. Um, so uh, actually. Uh, I, I do on occasion, uh, write plays and screenplays. And I actually would have to say, I just like, you know, the creative part of writing, you know, me personally. So, um, I, I, I'm, I like to write, I would have to say that <laughs> maybe better than dusting off seats and that sort of thing. <laughs> Has a little bit more of a reward to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Robbie Pollack, how about you? What's your favorite part of working in the theater? for me it's um more about shared creativity and vulnerability um the way that brings an ensemble together um could be a bunch of strangers and at the end they're not um and whether they fight or they like don't they're still working together to create this thing i think it's like it, it offers us lessons about cooperation that could really help our world and our society um I know I've been transformed by those experiences. Um, I was thinking of a, a theater actually trusted me enough to put together a series of improv workshops with police officers, formerly incarcerated people, with a prosecutor and domestic violence victims. Wow. Uh, a kid wow. who wanted to become a cop. And we all sat together and we did theater games for three for three days and they and only a theater is brave enough to hold that space um that transformative radical creative vulnerable space um and uh i'm trying to think of any other cultural institution that could pull that off so i think that's that for me is my my favorite part about theater is the radical possibilities of creative vulnerability um to cross divides uh, i think it's medicine for our world that's amazing yeah um i want to wrap up everything start to what i should say start, start to wrap up everything by asking what is my favorite question to ask people? Uh, and Robbie Pollock, this is going to go to you first, which is what's your favorite theater memory? I, my, my friend Daniela directed uh, a piece at Portland stage about Freud and his first patient it was called Sabina. And yes. um at some point, it was a musical about psychotherapy, which is like, you just don't think that this is going to work. Um, but at some point in the main conflict between um, Freud and another doctor, I started getting the feels, like the very strong, 
I have to hold back the tears feel like of the beauty of this thing. And, um, you know, we're, we're at Portland stage. It's a small theater and you look around the theater and you wonder if everybody else is, is, is also teary eyed. And, uh, that, that little moment, um, of humanity and like connection to the place and the people and the themes uh, was really magical for me. So I think I, I didn't explain it very well, but I I remember feeling like, oh my God, this is why I come to the theater. And then I looked over at my wife and she was like, uh-huh. She wasn't feeling it. <laughs> You're having this like I was deep like, experience and she's like, okay. I was like, how do you know? And then, so we got good discussions about it, you know, for days and days and days after. And that also is is why it's, it's a good theater moment, because theater does that, you know. So we still talk about it to this day. I love that. How about you, Robbie? Uh, well, um, you know, I just changed uh, to thinking about one of my first powerful theater um, experiences. And I will have to say I grew up at Pioneer Playhouse, so uh theater where john travolta came through here when he was like 15 years old and um you know other you know so i do i have a lot of memories of being a little kid growing up in a theater in kentucky but i think uh I, the first time i went to new york i was probably about 12 years old and i saw jesus christ superstar you know on broadway and i totally remember that they had a set where uh, it was a it was a big solid instead of a curtain it was almost like uh, a constructed wooden wall and then the wall started to tilt backwards and all these long-haired actors started scampering the top of that wall to the bottom of the wall is it, is it lowered and they were they had long hair and they were singing rock and roll and i was about 12 years old and i was like wow that's crazy man so I, I remember that Jesus Christ Superstar Broadway production when I was 12. Um, are there any other productions that your respected companies have coming on the line or that you have that we can maybe plug for you? Um, you know, our, I'm artistic director of Pioneer Playhouse, which is in Kentucky. And we do a summer season, which we just closed in, in August. Uh, the end of August, and we will start again with our summer season in June. So if anybody is in the Kentucky area, uh, do check out Pioneer Playhouse. And then Robbie Pollock, anything for you? We have a, uh, a big event coming up in partnership with the Brooklyn Public Library on December 2nd. It's uh, basically a celebration of this year's winners of the Prison Writing Awards, and we'll be staging one uh winner's play uh it'll be a staged reading of it but it's a really cool play um the reason we selected this play <laughs> is because it's about the conversation between uh a co who's about a corrections officer who's about to retire and a uh, an incarcerated person who have been there for a long time. And so like their relationship is like very Shawshank Redemption. Like they're just talking like two people, but the roles in the thing. And so like they, uh, I thought it was a rate. Uh, it's, it's something you don't see often. So like, I'm really excited. So performing it is going to be um, 
formerly incarcerated alumni of a program called Rehabilitation Through the Arts that teaches theater in prisons across New York State. So it's a, it's a really cool culmination of, of, of artistry and a little bit head warpy uh, to think about uh, formerly incarcerated people playing corrections officers but written by a play by somebody else who's currently incarcerated, just very, very strange um, on the stage at the Brooklyn Grand Army Plaza location. So that's going to be fun. Um, like, love to plug that. We call it breakout voices from inside. No relation to voices inside, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we didn't, we did not trademark it. So it's all good. <laughs> Neither did we. We can't own the inside. Yeah. <laughs> you can't own the inside. <laughs> can't own the inside. <laughs> if our listeners want more information about the upcoming show, uh, a, a sentence to a life without music, or they want more information about the two of you, uh, or they want to get a hold of uh, both of you, how can they do that? Um, you know, I'll just say they can go online uh, for this particular, um, you know, a, a series of short plays, Sentence to Life Without Music, uh, that is at the Wild Project from September 21st through the 25th, uh, five productions. They can uh, uh, check that out at thewildproject.org. If they want to know more about Voices Inside, our prison program, uh, they can go to voicesinside.org. And for the Pen America, uh, the easiest way is to go to pen.org slash prison dash writing. Wow, that's a mouthful. P-E-N.org slash prison dash writing. It includes our resources. So if you have a loved one or know people who are facilitating inside prisons, there's a lot of resources there. We have a podcast. We'll send newsletter and then there's a link there to get more information how to order the book for free um we encourage people to order in bulk so if people are facilitating workshops in prison and want to get everyone they're working with a copy uh we're happy to do that we want to get the book to as many people as possible and yeah it's a great book well that is all amazing seriously this sounds like incredible work that you both are doing this sounds like uh incredible you know uh collection of shows that are about to be presented um something that just shouldn't be missed so i congratulate you both on just your your steadfast and dedicated work you know kudos to that my guests today have been robbie henson who is the program director of voices inside and robbie pollock who is the program manager for prison and justice writing with Pen America. They're both involved with the upcoming, um, I'll say festival, Sentence to a Life Without Music. It's a collaboration between Voices Inside, Nylon Fusion Theater Company, and Pen America. Um, this presentation of One Act Plays is playing Wednesday through Sunday, September 21st through 25th at 8 p.m., except for Sunday, it's at 3, and this is being done at the Wild Project on the Lower East Side. Tickets are $20 in advance and $25 at the door, and you can get more information and your tickets at thewildproject.org. You can also find more information about my guests um, um, organizations by visiting voicesinside.org or pen.org slash prison dash writing. Robbie, Robbie, 
thank you so much for joining us today. Seriously, this has been an incredible conversation um, about a very important issue. I wish you both all the best with everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been great talking with you. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Miss Darling, Music for Wildlife, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs>